do evil men prosper? Where is God when I hurt? Why is life so unfair? If God was all powerful, then why doesn't he stop injustice in the world? Well, these are great questions. So let's have a conversation this morning. Let's talk about the reality that life is unfair. I would say that's a fact of life and that we need to accept that. Solomon gives us five examples. The first is criminals go unpunished. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. People commit crimes because they know they can get away with it. In San Francisco right now, criminals are walking into stores and just taking stuff and walking out. And employees are watching them. Even security guards are watching them. We've seen what's happening in Portland and Los Angeles and Chicago and Baltimore and New York. A lot of these places have Soros-funded DAs that the courtrooms are now politically oriented rather than legally oriented. Justice is slower, non-existent in places. And we know that justice delayed is justice denied. And who says crime doesn't pay? We've seen corrupt politicians over the years get away with murder. A certain president and his wife have a body count. We've seen the FBI, a very trusted institution. It's hard to trust Twitter, Hunter's laptop, election fraud, Epstein's victims, abusers. Where's the accountability for these men? Woke corporations are glad to lose your business if you don't celebrate the causes they champion. And social media will silence you quickly if you aren't expressing their narrative. Second thing, the oppressed are unhelped. Ecclesiastes 4.1 says, again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power. And there was no one to comfort them. Who speaks up for the oppressed of this world? For the unborn? As the powerful oppress the poor? and minorities, and Christians in many countries. And it will come here too, friends. People bully other people. It's not fair. A third thing Solomon says, the powerful are unethical. Ecclesiastes 5.8 If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, and do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. Take politicians, for instance. Do any of us really believe that they're public servants and they are voted in to serve? Many serve their own interests. They get richer while in office. But God sees this. 
Do we really want to live in the most degenerate nation in the world? Ecclesiastes 10, 5 and 6. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. Intelligent people are unknown and dumb people become famous. Number four, good people go unrewarded. And this too is unfair. Ecclesiastes 8.14, there is a vanity that takes place on earth. That there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Oftentimes the wrong people prosper. The dishonest person gets ahead, appears to be better off, has better health care. Maybe you've experienced this as a small business person. It's unfair. And number five, capable people are unsuccessful. Ecclesiastes 9.11. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Good guys don't always finish first. The fastest runners lose to the guy on PEDs. And great female athletes lose to the trans athlete. Your business goes under while the government props up the banks with millions of taxpayer dollars. The drug smuggler lives in a mansion. Tons and tons of money is made on TikTok and YouTube for useless content. You deserve a raise at work and the less qualified guy gets it. It's unfair. And Solomon gives us lots of examples of unfairness in life in the book of Ecclesiastes. So why doesn't God immediately do something about it? Is he uncaring? Is he unable? He's not strong enough? He's too busy to notice these things? The Bible gives us reasons for God's delay. Let's talk about some reasons why injustice seems to prevail. The first is God gives us the freedom to choose. Joshua 24, verse 15 says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've been created in the image of God and given an awesome gift, the gift of free will, which makes us different from every creature in creation. We can choose badly. God wants you to make the right choices with your free will out of love for him. But with choice comes consequences. Evil outcomes can be the result of evil choices. God could take away every injustice in the world today. How? By taking away choice. He could have created human beings and supernatural beings like angels as robots. 
but he chose not to do that. He, he took the risk because he wanted to create a people that would freely know him and worship him and serve him. As a result of that free choice, we have to deal with injustice. Second thing is judgment is coming. Let's look at several verses here. Isaiah 30 and verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. In Revelation 6.10, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And in Revelation 16, 7, it says, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So what we see today isn't the end of the story. The final chapter hasn't been written. God will balance the books. God will make all things right. He will judge the evildoer. But people don't want to wait for the day of judgment. They want justice now. And so the Bible tells us in many places to wait and be patient. Ultimately, there will be a day of judgment and justice. And I would say if I didn't believe that, I would probably live in despair. Thirdly, God shows us mercy. So we realize we need a savior. God shows us mercy. So we realize we need a savior. It says in Romans 2, 3, and 4, Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Ecclesiastes 7.20, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good, and never sins. That means all of us would be in trouble because we've all been unkind and unjust at one time or another. The reason the world is so unjust is because it's filled with unjust people like me and like you. Before I was saved, if you would have asked me, I would have told you I am a good person. I'm not a bad sinner. I'm not like Hitler. We don't see our sin. And then one day we see it. Ecclesiastes 3.18. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. One day the Holy Spirit showed me my sin and showed me my need for Jesus. July 31st, 1977. I believed in him and put my trust and faith in him and was saved. And since then, he's been changing me to be more like him. And I've been trying to follow him as my Lord. But my injustice revealed my true nature. I was lost, helpless, hopeless. We are all naturally self-centered outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, how do you explain Auschwitz? The German concentration camp. The German people were Lutherans. They lived in a Christian nation. They, they knew right from wrong. Think of all the great German poets and writers and composers. 
Yet they went along with the Holocaust and became animals, beasts. God delays judgment. He doesn't send you or I to hell today because he wants to give us time so that we can see our need for Jesus and repent and turn to him. I needed a savior because I was a sinner. Just like a drowning person needs someone to save him, I needed someone to save me because I was drowning in my sins and my injustice. Jesus Christ didn't deserve to die on that cross. I did. He went there for me. He was sinless as God. He took my penalty, the just for the unjust. He did my jail time. He paid my fine. And he changes my nature from the inside out to be more like his. Fourth reason. Pain can develop character. Romans 5.4 says that endurance produces character and character produces hope. I hold to a theology of suffering because I see it all through the Bible. We seem to learn best through what we suffer. We learn better from our failures and our successes. Tough times grow up good people. God is more interested in your holiness than your happiness. He wants you to look like Jesus. So he allows you to go through things. He tests you to see what you will choose. Someone likened life to photography before digital photography. You would take a picture and get a negative. You would take that negative into a dark room and it would turn a negative into a positive by shining a light onto the photo paper, which had silver and other chemicals on it. So light made something negative a positive. And life looks very negative at times. There's so much that's unfair, but God shines his light on it and brings good out of bad. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So I can trust the process. God's in control. But what can I do personally when life seems so unfair? I need to respond well. What are some ways that I can respond well? Firstly, I can accept that life is going to be unfair. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So I accept it. It's a fact. Quit trying to ignore the evil all around you. Jesus is realistic. You will have troubles. You will have tribulation. It's inevitable. We live in a fallen world. And the Bible says things are going to get really bad before he comes again. Even if you spent every waking moment of your day crusading against injustice, it wouldn't change the world that much. The world would still be corrupt because it's full of corrupt systems. I remember growing up and looking at the political landscape. 
there were Democrats and there were Republicans. And both parties seemed to want the best for Americans. They had different viewpoints, different philosophies, different ways of going about it. But they seemed to want the best for America. It doesn't seem that way anymore. It seems that either party just wants more and more control. Because human hearts are evil. They're selfish. We choose self over others. So if we don't grasp this fact, we are always going to be bitter at people and angry at God. We'll grow more and more cynical and disillusioned and resentful and say, why is this happening to me? How could God do this to me? You can't control your circumstances, but you can control your reaction to them. God is watching you to see how you respond to life's injustices. A second thing we can do is to do the right thing anyway. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 1 verse 17 said, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. These are things we can do. It may not change the world at large, but it may change our world. We might make our sphere of influence a better place. Be a person of integrity, even if someone is being unjust toward you. Love them and forgive them. Make your world a better place. It says in Romans 12:21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. How? With good. Don't be resentful. Don't retaliate or take matters into your own hands. Let God judge them. He will do a much better job of it than you. Second Peter 2.13 says, God will harm those who harm you. I think a word of caution is in order at this point because Satan can confuse us. Listen to Ecclesiastes again, verses 8 and 11 of chapter 8. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well for those who fear God because they fear before him. The danger is we, we can look at all the evil in the world and say everyone's doing it, so I might as well do it, too. That evil man, he doesn't seem to suffer. He seems to live a long, prosperous life. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. You won't get away with it. Do right when everyone around you is doing wrong. Stand alone if you have to, because one day you will stand alone before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of your life to God. Says that in Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And the third thing is wait for God's reward. Revelation 22, 12, one of the last verses of the New Testament. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense or reward with me. To repay each one for what he has done. God is faithful to you. He will reward you for doing the right thing. 
One day, the Bible says God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He'll balance the books. He'll settle the score as the righteous judge. He will judge evil and reward the righteous. You may have a tough life with lots of injustices for 70 years, but it will be worth it throughout all eternity. How do I get these rewards? Admit I'm a sinner. I've been as unjust as the next guy and ask the Lord for forgiveness. We need Jesus Christ as my Savior and as our Savior. So trust him that he died on the cross for your sins and then receive him as your Savior. Maybe someone needs to do that today. Even right now where you're seated, you can ask Christ, forgive me for my sins. I want to know you as my personal Savior. And then let God settle the score. Don't retaliate or get revenge. Forgive from the bottom of your heart. God will take care of it and them for you. Let him handle it. You may be going through something today that's really unjust and it's really bothering you. And rightfully so. Each and every one of us have our story of injustice. You may never know why. But know this. God has your best interest at heart. He cares for you. He loves you. And he will help you get through it. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I want to pray, first of all, for the person. If there is someone here in the room today that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, perhaps right now they know that and you've been convicting them of sin and they're ready to forsake it and turn to you and ask you to come into their heart and forgive all their sins, making them a new creation. Lord, if someone is praying that prayer right now, would you respond to them? Would you come and live inside of them and give them the free gift of eternal life that is ours for simply asking and trusting in Jesus? And Lord, for the one that is going through trials and tribulations, not of their own making, perhaps it's physical, perhaps it's a relational thing, maybe something at work, and it's unfair. Oh, God, give them grace, give them patience, give them strength. Help them to represent you well at that place that they are in life and not be bitter and disillusioned or angry at you, but deeply trusting you that you're going to take care of it for them. Help that person today, I pray in Jesus name. Amen.